During the day, Lucy kept herself busy. That way she had less time to think about all that was wrong in her life. At night, though, she would lie awake in her bed, her troubled thoughts wandering back over the years to when she was a 15-year-old schoolgirl. Because of her shy, nervous nature, Lucy had always found it hard to make friends. With her plump figure and lack of fashion sense, she believed herself to be unattractive and unable to fit in with her peers. She was never whistled at or chatted up by the boys at school, though that didn't really bother her. As was her nature, she accepted the way of things and took it all in her stride. Martin Lovejoy was a good-looking boy on the verge of leaving school that summer. Outgoing and flirtatious, he was commonly referred to as Jack the Lad, a title he wore like a badge of honour. Unlike the other boys, Martin had always seen more to Lucy than her nervous smile and quiet demeanour. He thought her smile was pretty and her shyness attractive. Some of the other girls were shameless flirts who would offer themselves to any boy at the merest wink, whereas if Lucy was ever offered a bit of fun down a dark alley, she would probably run a mile. But Martin meant to change all that. While the other boys regarded Lucy as a shrinking violet who was not worthy of their interest, Martin thought they were missing a trick, and to everyone's surprise he set his cap at her. He saw her as a rare challenge, a conquest to be made, a ripe apple ready to be picked. On a sweltering hot day during their final week as schoolchildren, Martin Lovejoy made his move on Lucy, who could hardly believe that one of the most admired boys in the school had made a play for her. A younger sister, Paula, and some of the other girls tried to warn her against him, but she was flattered by Martin's attention and chose to ignore their advice. Later, though, she was devastated on discovering that she had made the biggest mistake of her life. By then it was too late. Life had taken her by the throat and forced her into a situation that she bitterly regretted, and still regretted, some twenty-four years on. Now, with her fortieth birthday just a couple of weeks away, Lucy felt cheated and desperately lonely. She'd spent all these years looking after her husband, Martin, and their children. She also worked to help make ends meet. Yet she was deeply ashamed of these feelings, believing it was wrong to regret her life, especially when she had been blessed with a family, while many women had not been so fortunate. Her husband, Martin, was a hard worker who'd recently set himself up in business. He professed to love the ground she walked on, and as a dutiful wife, Lucy did her best to keep him happy. But for her, there was something missing from their marriage, something precious that had been lost way back there on the long, lonely journey. He never said she looked nice, never noticed what she was wearing, if she looked tired, if she could do with a hand, never noticed her at all, in fact. Having suffered yet another sleepless night, Lucy lay very still in the bed, being careful not to wake Martin, who was gently snoring beside her. He was sleeping so peacefully, she was made to wonder if he ever thought about their lives together, about how futile and cold it all seemed. Yet, for all her regrets and insecurities, Lucy had put her heart and soul into being a good wife, a loving mother and a loyal sister, 
even though she sometimes resented the manner in which the family took her for granted. They rarely ever asked her how she was, or how her day had been at the factory. Over the years, she'd suggested to her sister, Paula, that it might be nice to spend a pleasant hour or so shopping in Bedford and maybe enjoying a light lunch before they headed home. Unfortunately, there was always a reason why Paula could not go with her. Lucy accepted the situation without question. She'd offered her own daughter, Anne, the same invitation, but she was too busy, or going out with a friend, or just not in the mood. In the end, to avoid embarrassment, Lucy stopped asking. Every year, her birthday was almost a non-event. Even when she put on a little family party, they were either very late to arrive, or they presented an excuse for not arriving at all. She always received a present from Martin and the children, but because of other pressures or simply absent-mindedness, she often had to wait until the next day when they would rush in with apologies. She never made a fuss, because what would be the point? They hardly ever made time to sit and chat with her. Anne and Paula's visits would be little more than a cup of tea, then a quick peck on the cheek and they'd be off out the door. More often than not... Martin would then go off down the pub. I'll not be long, he'd promise her, but it would be gone midnight when he got home. Lucy was daunted by the fact that she would soon be 40 years old, especially when she considered she'd done nothing with her life. She'd never seen much outside Weyburn, and as the years went by, the idea of travelling and doing the exciting things she had once dreamed of seemed increasingly out of her reach. She now feared her life would remain as it was until she became old and unable to make changes. As with all the other birthdays, she wondered if this landmark birthday would arrive quietly and leave on tiptoe, though if it did, she knew she would take it in her stride as ever, while secretly wondering if her family could ever love her as much as she loved them. There were even times when she asked herself if she was a useless wife, mother and grandmother. She hoped not, because her family was all she had. In fact, they were her very world. Consequently, she felt it was wrong of her to ask more of them than they could give. There was one bright side to Lucy's life, however. She was immensely grateful for her job at the plastics factory. She took great pride in her work and enjoyed the company of her lively colleagues. Chatting with them made her feel alive, because to them she was not just someone's wife, mother or grandmother. Instead, she was Lucy, a well-respected and much-valued workmate. Deep in thought, Lucy was startled to hear the hallway clock strike five. Careful not to wake Martin, she slithered out of bed and into her dressing gown, then she softly slid the eider down over the dip in the bed where she had lain. Gazing down on her sleeping husband, she tortured herself with regrets. So many wasted years, she thought bitterly. So many lost dreams. Inevitably, her thoughts returned to their two children. Sam was now twenty-one. Like all young men, he could be bullish and unpredictable, but beneath all the bravado, he had a sense of purpose. At 23, Anne was her firstborn. She was confident, easily hassled, and occasionally argumentative. 
She was the mother of Luke, almost one year old. The thought of her only grandchild brought a measure of joy to Lucy's heart. Full of life, he had a ready smile and laughing eyes that made you want to dance, and he was an absolute delight. Taking a moment to close her eyes, Lucy cast her mind back to when she was a shy, innocent girl, afraid of everyone and everything, until Martin made friends with her in the school grounds one sunny afternoon. With his smiling brown eyes and wild shock of thick dark hair, he stood out from the crowd. Tall and lean, with an attractive, lazy way of walking, he was a magnet to the opposite sex. After that first meeting, Lucy was instantly drawn to him, though never in a million years did she imagine how their lives would intertwine. It would have been impossible to believe that less than two years after their first date, she would not only be Martin's wife, but she would also be mother to his child. Over the years, Lucy had often wondered about that fateful night, when curiosity, excitement and a sense of belonging took away their common sense. The consequence of that had carried them to this point in their lives, and Lucy had come to realise how wrong they had been to get married, especially when they were both so young, with little knowledge of real life and responsibility. The sad truth was that she had never been truly happy, not on the day they got married, and certainly not now. For a long time she had desperately wanted to find a way out of this mundane life, but her strong sense of duty gave her no easy way out. Now she often looked down on Martin's sleeping face and thought that, yes, she did love him, if loving him was to take care of him, to feed him, wash and iron his clothes, and to do her best to make sure he was content. She went to gaze out the window. I do love you, Martin, she thought, but I don't know you at least not in the way I should. She resented the way he had always made the important decisions without consulting her. Also, she resented the cowardly way she'd allowed herself to go along with his decisions. When they were still at school and she found herself pregnant, it was Martin who had decided that keeping it a secret was the best thing to do. Also, it was he who had insisted they should get married as soon as possible so that no one would find out right away. But they'd been wrong, Lucy now knew. They should have confided in someone older and wiser whom they could trust, someone who might have helped them. Choking back the anger, she became tearful. I should never have listened to you, she thought. I wanted to tell them the truth, but you wouldn't let me. She recalled vividly how he threatened to say the baby wasn't his. Though when Mum guessed I was pregnant, you did stand by me. Even so, on my 16th birthday, when we were getting married, I was so afraid that you would get scared and run off at the last minute and I would have to face it all on my own. Her homely features creased in a smile. You didn't run, though, did you? She turned, crept back and kissed him softly on the cheek. Now, though, I can't understand what's happened to us, Martin, she whispered. I'm not happy. And sometimes I believe you feel the same. When a tear escaped down her cheek, she angrily wiped it away. It was no good crying. What was done was done and there seemed no turning back. 
She continued to observe him a moment longer, hating herself for being cowardly back then when they were unsure and afraid. How could she ever forget the shame and trauma when they told their families that she was expecting a child when she was little more than a child herself? On the whole, over the years, Martin had been a good man. Right from when their daughter was born, he had proved himself to be a good husband and a fine father, although, if she were honest, there had been times when she might have preferred him to spend more time at home with her and the baby. That particular problem still niggled her, especially when he chose to share all his leisure time with his mates rather than with her. She was at home every evening, at first with the babies and now alone. Lucy's insecurities had never really gone away. What if he'd never loved her at all? What if he had only married her because she was having his child? Maybe, unknown to her, he also had regrets and doubts about the traumatic decision they'd made back then. Yes, maybe he felt like she did, cheated and alone, in a marriage born out of panic. As a child, Lucy had always dreamed that her wedding day would be a magical, proud occasion. Instead, on her sixteenth birthday, it was a frantic rush, and all because of one dark and unforgettable night behind the Roxy. Just two years after their daughter Anne was born, Lucy and Martin were blessed with the arrival of their second child, a boy who they named Samuel. Sam. Martin then decided that two children were enough and took precautions to make sure their family never grew any larger. Lucy, over the years, had devoted her life to her family. Martin played his part well, but preferred to be fishing, playing darts down the pub or kicking a ball about on the green with his friends. After Anne married, and with Sam increasingly leading his own life, Lucy was mostly left on her own. Inevitably, the distance between her and Martin began to widen. One time he came home so drunk he could hardly stand. A mate of a mate was out on a stag do, he lied. So we decided to make a night of it. Lucy made no comment, but from the whiff of cheap perfume she suspected he may have been enjoying female company. After the second drunken episode he gave no explanation and Lucy asked for none. Consequently, the gulf between them became a chasm, with Lucy feeling increasingly isolated. She had learned to take the good with the bad, but lately she had grown increasingly restless. One way or another, things would have to change. She had no idea how or when, yet change they must, because if they continued as they were now, she would likely spend the rest of her life regretting it. Now, heading towards her fortieth birthday, she assumed that half her life was already gone. Did she really want to spend her latter years wishing she had found the courage to put herself first, especially now with the children grown up? With that thought burning in her mind, she made her way downstairs. Usually after a bad night there was no spring in her step, but today was different. Never before had she felt so defiant. If she truly wanted it, she believed that she could make a change. She could rebel. She could do something outrageous, something she had never done before. But then the doubts crept back. Where would she start? What would the family say if she was to do something out of the ordinary? 
as Martin had once remarked. You could set your clock by our Lucy. Always on time and everything in its place, that's her. The idea of timid Lucy Lovejoy actually rebelling was unbelievable. But then the more Lucy thought about it, the more excited she became. So what if she was coming up to her 40th birthday? Surely it wasn't too late to step out of her routine, to do something so brave and wonderful that she would remember it forever? What was so wicked about that? Her imagination ran riot. Twirling round the kitchen, she listed her unlikely ambitions aloud in a sing-song way. I could go dancing till dawn or run full pelt along the promenade in nothing but a tiny swimsuit and flimsy throw-on. Oh, and I might book myself onto a big cruise ship and sail off to exotic places. But then suddenly her mood changed as she sat down at the table. Who am I fooling? she asked herself. I've got no money to speak of. And anyway, it's too late now. It's such a pity, though, because there are so many exciting things I've never done. I've never been to London or a theatre. And though I've always wanted to, I've never learned to roller skate. The sorry list of lost opportunities was endless. She'd never worn a short, swingy skirt or had a ride at a fairground. Never even learned to swim. In fact, she had never done anything exciting or daring. You're a hopeless case, Lucy Lovejoy, she declared. Instead, she'd become a watcher, watching the children play in the sand, watching everyone else enjoying themselves while she minded the bags or the pram or kept the towels dry while they were swimming at the local indoor pool. She'd always been a shadow in the background, hardly noticeable, always in demand to smooth the way for the family. In the end... There was never any time for her. She never complained, so it didn't cross anyone's mind that she might want to live a little, to join in the fun while someone else watched the bags and the pram. Lucy cast her mind back. She was sure there must have been times when the family did ask her to join in, but for whatever reason, she never did. As always, blaming herself was easier than blaming them. Aware of the clock ticking away on the wall, she began to set the table for breakfast. Silly old fool, she told herself. You're a hopeless daydreamer, always have been. Put it all out of your mind and get on with the life you have. To have an adventure, you need youth on your side. You need money and you definitely need a plan. You have none of those. At your age, a new adventure is just a pipe dream. Even so... The idea of a new life lingered. As she set about cooking breakfast, she couldn't help but wonder what the neighbours would say if they found out that Lucy Lovejoy had done a runner. She burst out laughing. It might be worth the adventure, just to see the look on their faces. <laughs>